Blog Talk Radio. Podcast is near and dear to my heart, and I'm sure to yours. But 
At any rate, let's just get right to it. Um, I'm sure you all looked at that article, The Time Is Now for HBCU Playoff Football System, uh, uh, Football yep. Playoff System, rather. And the yep. premise of that, or said article, is that the HBCU, the HBCU should break away for the NCAA in its entirety. And I know Dwayne had his voice's displeasure <laughs> on Facebook and vowed to take out the rap on doing this podcast on said article. But, Prevence, this is your maiden voyage to the clown hour. Let me just start with you. First of all, do you agree with the notion that this brother posed in this article that HCCU football should just get the hell away from the NCAA and do their own thing? Right at this moment, because of uh, the recent success, you know, in advancing um, to the finals or semifinals, I think right. it was at Winston-Salem a couple of years ago, and right. that, wow, that, and that um, the CIAA teams have been a little bit more competitive even in one-and-done games in the uh, Division Two playoffs. I'm not certain the CIAA schools would think that's the best of ideas. Um mm. Uh, on the other hand, they are looking at the same challenges as the other HBCUs, well, the, the MEAC teams that have been going to the NCAA playoffs, particularly in terms of uh, a favorable regional matchup or even getting a chance to host a home game. So that's a, a point where they might consider, well, maybe it's not the worst idea in the world, but what happens when you're looking at um, – the teams from out, say, far out west like Oklahoma, that um, you know their their travel challenges coming towards the East Coast or the Deep South, where most of the HBCUs are located, um, does anything really change for them if there was an opportunity mm-hmm. for them to play in a national championship? So. Uh, kind of that in mind, it, it kind of goes with the whole theme. It always keeps keeps coming back to the money, and yes. All the and money. that's kind of where <laughs> the HBCUs are at a crossroad because we are so tradition bound when it comes to um, our rivalries, our opponents, um, and we, we like I said we struggle with the tra- where tradition meets money. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right, and I think that, right. and we have to really either challenge some concepts that um, came came to pass in the late '70s or early '80s when the SWAC and the MEAC went Division One versus all playing at the same level in Division Two. I think before we can really discuss a full across the board um, playoff format. Right, those were my initial thoughts when I read that that. Article. Mm-hmm. So, um, Dwayne, I give you mm-hmm. the floor to vent as your heart is venting your heart's desire. <laughs> well, because you were hinting at it earlier, man, and you were like, I felt I felt you want to jump off the couch, um, not necessarily uh, a Tom Cruise style in jubilation, but in sheer vitriol and <laughs> just disgust. Uh, Stephen A. Smith style, if you were so. Oh man, Dwayne, the floor is yours, man. <laughs> well, first and foremost, I have to preface uh, everything by saying this: um, a lot of times, man, we'll come across these articles by writers who who report on HBCU sports, 
and a lot of them aren't mm, as credible as I would like them to be. First and foremost, mm. let me say this. I'm not the best writer in the world. Um, I basically got into doing this partially by love, partially by mistake. But, <laughs> but the mistake was rooted in love. It, it, it was. It all started where I was helping out a gentleman who actually has a black cop. Well, actually, a black sports magazine, and he wanted me to help him out from the HBCU aspect, along with helping him out with what I do as a day job as a graphic designer as well, in terms of redesigning his magazine. With that said, I ended up just covering HBCU sports. He didn't want to work with me anymore, but I built the fan base for him. And people were still coming to me asking questions. So I'm like, you know, the best thing that I can do is I keep, keep this going. And, yeah, and exactly. the best way to keep that going is to try to be as credible as possible and not just throw out uh, theories without having actual ways of doing this. By reading this dude's mm. article, I'm like, uh, you're proposing a lot of things, right, that are, that are, that are lofty ideas. Fantastic, even in theory, but in execution, as of right now, there's no way in the world we can do it. There are a lot of things mm. that President have said that I completely agree with, and one of the things that I like to throw out there as a reason why it's a problem. I'm starting to learn now in conversations with 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 certain higher ups that it's not necessarily the problem in all cases, but in most cases okay. it is, which is finances. And in order to have this type of situation. For those who haven't read the article, what he wants to do is basically have a championship series between the four major conferences in HBCU sports, which are the MEAC, the, the, the Mid the Eastern Athletic Conference, the Southwest Athletic Conference, the uh, CIAA, and the SEAC. Right. Now, of course, what that does is it automatically just eliminates Tennessee State. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Try to figure that out, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's that's kind of unfair to them. Uh, let alone, I, I guess you probably wouldn't want to do any of the other football teams like, um, who was that, Lincoln out of Missouri, mm-hmm. who doesn't compete in those conferences, and, and, and the other schools who don't compete in, in those four conferences, which is kind of unfair. Also, like, uh, uh, who else? Um Jarvis College, Jarvis College in Texas. I know. I, I'm pretty sure they don't compete in the SEAC because I they think don't. it's a Christian school. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, exactly. And, and um, so you know, there, there, God is a love in Texas. Exactly. So there's several schools that don't compete in these four conferences. I mean, I understand when we when we do something like becoming a national champion, everyone isn't involved in that situation. So I, I, I kind of understand that. But when when that question is thrown out there. Those type of questions I want to be thrown out there too. What about us? Why can't we compete? Mm-hmm. But the the, the, mm-hmm. the main thing here is the fact that money is the main thing, and, and and in order for this to happen, money's going to have to be generated. That means, of course, the institutions are going to have to get get money. Um, the, the games themselves are going to have to generate money, and just looking at the models of of, of other events. Mm-hmm. Difficult for that to happen, and we can talk about that yeah. later on the show and why that's the case. Sure. Now let me pose this to both of y'all. Um, 
you touched on something, Dwayne, when you talked about uh, schools like Jarvis Christian College to all the way up to Tennessee State that plays in the Ohio Ohio Valley Conference, rather, the OVC, which is a very competitive FCS conference, but, Mm -hmm. you know, they're hamstrung in terms of who they can recruit, you know, to bring into – to their schools to to compete with the likes of um, I forget who's on that conference. I used to know all that stuff, but be that oh, uh, like 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 an Austin P or something like that. Um, yes, in that conference. Um, who's also Jacksonville State is in that conference. Oh, yeah. Okay. So there you go. So, but focus on Tennessee State for a minute. So, I could imagine the stink that this will. <laughs> You know, the inclusion, if you will, the MEAC, SWAC, SEAC, and CWA, and, and pretty much leaves Tennessee State out to drive big time. There's a major university, a major HBCU, um, with a lot of traditional rivalries in them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm just I'm saying, sorry to so, break in like that. No, 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 no. That's fine. I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud here. You know, yeah. how that would just create – it would be a hot-ass mess, basically. Uh, you know what I think will be you know, interesting, though, with that? I'm, yeah. I'm thinking it will be more of an issue with the fan base than with the university themselves because they've already put okay. themselves in a situation where they've decided not to participate in these conferences uh, alongside A&T or alongside oh, yeah. Grambling. They've I already decided to make that decision. We're going to go ahead and make money in a different way by going to the OVC. So I'm thinking the university themselves – uh, as the as ethics department, it's probably not thinking about that as being, you know, a, a potential issue. But the fan base most definitely, most definitely will, and I think they'll be extremely vocal about that. Do you think that vocalness would bring about change down the line or pretty much the administration, given this history, of why they have an OBC in the first place or just stay put and, you know, and just say it is what it is and just keep it moving? Only if there's money to be made. Right. Again, follow the money. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Previn, let, let me ask you this, brother. Um, Dwayne and I, in our, in our last HBCU podcast, was it two weeks ago, Dwayne? I think it was two weeks ago. Um, that, it was about three weeks ago, yes. Yeah. Oh, it was when the, the game okay, was. Right, right, right. right. That's a month now, wow. Yeah, and so, so much for that like roundtable podcast a week ago. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. Um, but – but 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 uh, but a uh, prevalent like Dwayne and I we discussed well actually I floated and we discussed the possibility of why not have a black sports channel why why not have um, a, a black sports channel that would do the same for the four those the aforementioned four conferences HBCU conferences the way similar to what the SEC network has done for. Uh, obviously the SEC and bringing in a lot of money. I mean, I'm not saying that they would bring in the astronomical amount of money, but at least the coffers will be filled with much more cash, in my opinion, because I mean, you have so many HBCU alums scattered all across the country, and you know that ESPN would jump at that bad boy in a hot minute. So, so let me just pose that option to you. What do you think of the possibility of having a black sports channel. If we were uh, able ESPN to is. have uh, something like a parent, an ESPN as a parent company, yes, like yes. with the SEC, um, mm-hmm. I think that's completely viable considering that 
even compared to the uh, 80s and 90s when BET would cover the HBCU football and some of the basketball games. What you have now with the uh, ESPN, current ESPN contract with the SWAC and the MEAC and occasionally covering um, a CIAA game or two, it's still kind of a major step up because there's always a game on on Thursday night and then sometimes on Saturday as well, not to mention Mm -hmm, the uh, Internet streamed games. So you know there's a demand, you know there's an audience um so in in a way you could almost suggest that the groundwork is already there so mm-hmm. to take it a step forward as a separate channel it's it's a good idea in concept I actually like it I would love to see something like that implemented of course the, the it's going to go back on the onus of the parent company in terms of how much resources could they devote to compared to a Big Ten network or compared to an SEC network, how many of the black sports are they going to cover? Would they be able to attract the advertisers for that? I mean, are you going to have a channel that spends 12 hours a day of a given week on infomercials, that sort of thing? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, maybe a thought would be to stream online, to start things up. And even sure. when you say, like I said, um, to line the coifers, even that I like the idea, I understand that we're talking about several years of evolution before you're looking at the sort of revenue to back um, a major all-inclusive football and basketball tournaments. I mean, you also got to look at, you got to give the track their attention and whatever mm-hmm. sports we can within right. the uh, HBC community. And that's another issue, too, because we're not really all evenly planed in terms of the number of sports the schools play. Right. right. Very true. Right. Yeah, for example, like, you don't have many black colleges, HBCUs, that play lacrosse. You know what I mean? Right. You don't have you don't have that many uh, – uh, HBCUs that play, I mean, I don't know, I mean, that play softball. I know a lot play baseball, but I don't think for so many HBCUs play even softball. Uh, well, you, know, you got you got uneven ground in terms of, say, golf. You know, we, we, you, right. we, there was the article we were passing along on the Double uh, S project page about A&T shuttering its swimming program. Um, we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah, I right, saw that. Right, right. So, <laughs> we'll get to that. you know, some schools are beginning to kind of, say, pick their specialty points of, I guess we would say, non, I guess what passes for our revenue sports, but non-revenue sports, we're going to focus on, like, bowling. You know, we're going to have a world-class mm. golf team, or we're going to have, like, you know, Jackson State. We're going to have a uh, good tennis program, or somebody's talking about, there was talk about A&T getting into soccer. Mm-hmm. You know, that sort of thing. In 2020, so, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, even if A&T plays soccer, what if only one other team in the MEAC plays soccer? Right. You know. Right. So that's, so that's, that's me, something that would have to be considered. Yeah. Like, Dwayne, I know you were about to, you were about to chime in a little bit earlier. Uh, we were talking about, like, soft, when softball was, was floated about. Um, did you – uh, did you have anything to add to that, or you just had a thought that come in? Oh, yeah. I was going to say, you know, as many teams that play baseball, just for <clears> example, <throat> in the MEAC, yeah. 
yeah. they're the same amount of teams that play softball. Um, to Prevence's point about soccer, as of right now, in the in, in the MIAC, Howard is the only team that has a soccer team. So mm-hmm. they are now competing in the SWAC, which I find to be rather interesting with A&T adding soccer again, in. Oh, I was saying that uh, Howard is the only MIAC school that currently has uh, okay, women's yeah. soccer. So, so right. they're competing in, in the SWAC right now. Matter of fact, okay. they won the SWAC okay. championship last year. Um, How about that? With, with, with that said, A&T will be adding soccer, I think it's 2020. So that's starting to lead me to believe, and, and this is based on um, a conversation I actually had earlier today with the uh, assistant athletic director over A&T, where we were talking about the the swimming situation and why they're ending that uh, program actually at the end of the month. Uh, it turns out, and, and, and my theory, because I thought it's the end-all, be-all answer, of course, for everything, money. Actually, that's not true. Um, the current uh, athletic director at A&T, Earl Hilton, made an um, announcement, I think about a year or two ago, saying that what he wants from the athletic department is to be able to compete for conference championships. So what he wants to do is make sure that he has programs that are capable of competing for the championships. So being that there isn't um, a a, a, a championship for swimming, and if they do go into that direction, it will probably be a club situation because uh, Howard is the only other HBCU I can think of that has swimming. And they have okay. men and women swimming. And it looks like they want to eliminate women as well and just have men's uh, swim club. So that's why they're doing away with swimming because they can't compete for a conference uh, title. With that said, that's why they're bringing back, well, that's why they brought back tennis. That's why they're bringing in golf. Because mm-hmm. there is uh golf title to be won in the MIAC. And I'm guessing mm-hmm. the MIAC is going to move over into soccer in the near future, which is why he is bringing they it. Should. And if, if they're not doing soccer in, in the MIAC, my guess is that they're going to move and enjoy uh, Howard in the SWAC. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the rest of the MIAC should join on that bandwagon because mm-hmm. soccer is – I mean, in case people aren't paying attention – Soccer is, is is growing, its popularity is growing in this country by leaps and bounds mm-hmm. with our kids. So they'd be wise, the MIAC in, in particular would be wise to get on a soccer bandwagon because, I mean, hey, you know, a lot of kids play it. And, you know, as long as, long as they're cultivated, I mean, could you imagine the, the type of talent that would come out of the MIAC schools, you know, they, they, I mean, they could compete. I know it's probably the sky, they, I mean, but they could compete possibly with the U.S. national team, you know, MLS, I mean, get some representation. That would, again, just put more eyeballs to what's going on in, 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 those, in those schools. And eyeballs mm-hmm. and the money. So. Exactly. It's definitely uh, an intriguing prospect. There's um, a lot more upside than potential downside. Um in terms of MEAC schools, when you consider that it's um, from a startup proposition, it might not be the most expensive sport. You also uh, right. open up um, exposure to athletes, both locally and outside of your typical, I guess, focus region. 
mm-hmm. you know, to attract different athletes, and not only to attract these different athletes, but to attract their parents and their families mm-hmm. who also represent support, both in terms of fan base and finances. Okay. Yeah, I feel on that. Um, gosh, there's so many ways I could go with this. <laughs> um, I mean, the thing is, is and, and we'll touch on the ESPN impact more so in a moment, but I just want to skip down to the last few paragraphs of this article here. Um, when it talks about, when you, like, like when the author talks about making the Celebration Bowl championship like this, a celebration. Like a week long, perhaps a week long celebration, kind of like uh, the uh, college football playoff national championship is, is rated about. You know, it's kind of like the the CIAA effect, where like like because of the basketball tournament, you know, this it's a, such a big deal. You know what I'm saying? But like like have that similar, you know, to that like step shows throughout the week. Um, you know, for those of for those listeners out there who don't know what step shows are. Google, Google step shows. You'll thank me later. But at any rate, YouTube. Um, <laughs> yes, sir. YouTube. It. You know, I'm, I'm just saying you will thank me later for those who don't know what step shows. Um, but I think most people do. But you know, have like because the article mentions have like a great night recruiting fair along with the step show. The battle of the bands I think would be great, a great idea. You know, just have like the the, the best, the best represented that whole entire week. And just you know, and just and, and just have a fun thing, and you know, and plus bring in the sponsors. I keep it in Atlanta. I would definitely keep it. Have, have it in Atlanta, rotate between Atlanta and New Orleans, perhaps, because of the corporate sponsorships that has has, has history with those things HBCUs and with the black community, like Coca Cola, for example, and whatnot. Um, and plus, you know, the mention here about Austin. Falcons owner Arthur Blank would want to get a hold of that, which I think he would love that. And, you know, the whole point of that, I guess, is to bring more eyeballs, bring more advertisers to it, bring more exposure to it. And, you know, and even though, you know, the, the first year of the Celebration Bowl, it drew about, what, 33,000? Which is not bad. Which <laughs> is not bad at all. Um, not at all. But it's just the potential to, to bring, to grow to a bigger total. Over the year, like like oh, like over the next few years, which I think the potential is there to do. Um, so, I, I don't know. I I I I didn't have a problem with that particular portion of the article because it's all about bringing more eyeballs to the celebration bowl. So, uh, Dwayne, I'll kick I'll kick it back to you since you uh, <laughs> had your own set of pieces with this article in bits and pieces. Um, what do you think about the idea of making it a week-long celebration and hyping it up? Well, once again, um, sounds great in theory, right? Right. It sounds like a perfect idea. Once again, right. it all comes down to money. <laughs> and my thing is this, and this is where my beef comes in, right? What you're expecting okay. um, the fan base or the fan bases of HBCUs to do in a week span in one city, right? Right. It's to be able to attend two games at least, or at least one game, I should say, at least one game, possibly two, if your team advances, right? 
Gotcha. And what, what, what you're what you're attempting to do is to have them to be there for an entire week. We kind of know that that's possible because it's done at the CIAA. The problem with that is, and I'm guessing it's no, I mean, but CIAA in present, you may be able to speak on this a lot better than I can because I've never actually been to CIAA, which I look to rectify within the next year or two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it that you you can attend both individual games and you can buy uh, a, a ticket for the entire week, correct? Right. The thing is, people aren't coming for the entire week for CIAA. I don't know if it will necessarily be feasible for people to come out for back-to-back weekends for both of those games. Somebody might suffer. I don't know who's going to suffer. I don't know if it's going to be the first game or if it's going to be the championship game. In, 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 In theory, it might be the championship game. I don't know. Because what you're doing is you're potentially asking a fan base to attend two different games in a week span in one city where they may or may not be able to have the time to travel like that. I know the students won't be able to do so. Right. And, and that's kind of a hit as well to, 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 to kind of have them to do that. But, you know, I guess they kind of expect that of, um, you know, PWIs, when they have their playoff series as well, but my God, to to to, to try to have all of this done. How about this? Before we even try anything that grandiose, can let's we make sure we get the done? the original article correct for a few years before. I, I see what you're saying. I see where you're going with that. Well, yeah, not even yeah. that. Can we even get people just to come to regular games? Can we get people to come to A&T versus Dell State? Can we do that? Can we get people to come to Shaw versus Fayetteville State? Can we do that? Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, right. You know, uh, 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 and God bless them. You know, I, 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 we we agree on a lot of things. The one thing I guess we we don't agree on a lot is the fact that he loves to bring up the fact of him and his bison coming down to Greensboro to beat A&T back in 93, Jay Walker made a point and said something directly towards A&T fans. How he was disappointed that they didn't come out to a televised game against Delaware State this season. But there was only 10,000 people, actually less than 10,000 people that came out for that game. I was there. Mm. <laughs> I don't blame yeah, you, Prev. I, I know that you're one of the better ones, Prev. I know that. But for those who don't go, and it, it, it kind of bothers me being that I'm in D.C. and I can't go on a regular basis. So when I hear right. stuff like that, I'm like, come on, man, it's a televised game and you guys can't make it out. But Of course we can make yeah, out yeah. the homecoming, but there are complaints about homecoming because people don't like to pay that entry fee just to walk around the stadium, which, of course, includes your ticket price. But people refuse to do that. And people... They came out in numbers. It, it, the stadium wasn't packed. But against the final game, which is, in essence, a championship game, you would expect that that game to be packed. Against number one rival North Carolina Central, and that wasn't a sellout. Mm. You're telling me you can't sell that out? You can sell a homecoming, but you can't sell out a quote-unquote championship game against your number one rival? Yeah, even in that game, game like that. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and the crowd was dead for the majority of the game, which I'm guessing was partially, you know, impact on how the team played. 
but you know that's neither here nor there if you believe in in fan base boosting players to play well. But if you can't sell out a championship game against your rival, how do you expect me to believe that we're going to do well ticket wise two consecutive weeks for a, a playoff and a championship game? I don't believe it. I mm-hmm. don't. Now I can see the swag doing that. Because they they the attend game extremely well. Yeah, it's yeah, a big deal to them. The, the game is the big deal to them. Exactly. Right. I can see I can see certain SEAC uh, schools doing it because those that win, they attend their games extremely well as well. But when you start talking about certain MEAC schools, and at one point in time we could talk about A and T as being one of those schools that travel well. But there were complaints about A and T fan base at the Celebration Bowl. There were stories that say that you could see more purple than gold than anything else at the Celebration Bowl. Some people thought that maybe it was Omega Sci-Fi as well, but there were others that <laughs> thought that it was because of the amount of people who were there supporting Alcorn State. That kind of leads me to a situation with the uh, the Meat Sweat Challenge a couple of years ago when A&T played against Alabama A&M, where that was the, the least attended game out of all of the, the, the Meat Sweat Challenges the Miak Sweat Challenges ever played. I don't know if it was because it, it rained that day. I don't know if it was because of the protest for um, uh, 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 what's the, the young man that was murdered by the uh, the security guard. Um, Martin. Come out. No, Trayvon Martin. Well, he, Trayvon he was on Martin. Mm. So go ahead, yeah. Yes. So I don't know if it was because of the the proposed uh, boycott against the state of Florida because of the Trayvon Martin murder. But all I know is that game with a school that normally travels was the least attended uh, game out of all of the Miak Sweat challenges ever played. And it, it, it was a mild embarrassment in, in my eyes that that A&T guys, uh, fan base didn't travel and we're known for traveling. And it's starting to become a pattern. Mm-hmm. So well, let me, I just know in the world I can I can trust us for for us to do a week of games or a week of activity right. if we can't even do one game. Well, I'll say this: um, I, I would I, I would take one thing away from what this gentleman said in his article. I take away the basketball tournament thing. Just let it be all about football. Because exactly. to your point, Dwayne, we can only focus on one thing at a time for some reason. But let me just touch upon a bigger thing that you, that you that you mentioned, Dwayne. It's about the attendance issue. Now, Previn, Dwayne and I always said about the SWAC, we, we call the SWAC the SEC of black college sports because it's, football is such a bigger deal, as is in the SEC. It's such a bigger deal with the SWAC. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the SWAC is deeply rooted in the deep south where they have right. most of your football talent and most of your football fans. And, you know, and, and they share the one thing the SWAC shares with the SEC is that a lot of the schools or the communities that are in the states that they don't have a lot, a whole lot going on, if you know what I mean, like as far right. as professional sports and whatnot. So they can't help but gravitate towards those things. But they're still, to me, in my opinion, is not an excuse for the MEAC to be such out, so much outdrawn by the SWAC, particularly when it comes to football. We're not going to touch any other sports for, for all intents and purposes podcast. We're going to focus on football, obviously, since it was all about the Celebration Bowl. 
But I, I don't want to make a blanket statement in saying that we as black folks have a hard time supporting our own. I, I don't want to go there just yet because of the SWAC and to a certain extent the, the SEAC. They they do a, they they do a great job supporting the HBCUs and everything. It's just that the MEAC seems to have the problem. So what I'm asking is, why do y'all think? And I'll, I'll throw this this to you, Prev. I'll give Dwayne a little break here. But um, yeah. why do you think <laughs> we're having so much problem in the MEAC of drawing crowds to any football game, especially a rivalry game? You know, being that we, like A&T, didn't do so well in the attendance department playing against Central for the MEAC title, no less. So it was a rivalry game, and it, it also was a title a, a game to win the conference with the conference all, like on the line. But, Gibbs, what, what, I mean, what's, what's going on with us? I cannot exactly put a finger on <clears throat> the wins and the whys things changed. And one unpopular theory that I came up with was okay. that I think that the MIA, and actually where A&T is concerned, because traditionally A&T had so many, quote-unquote, big rivalry games in the conference. You had out out at conference for a while, it was Central, before Central rejoined the MIAC. FAMU yeah. was a rival game. South Carolina State, right. of course, a big thing. For a while, Delaware State was a big thing. And then, of course, there's always Howard because they were supposed to be the number one everything of all black schools. So it just seemed right. like when I was when I was at A&T and through the early 90s, mid-90s, you know, everybody seemed to be gunning for us. And then on occasion, mm-hmm. we were gunning for everybody else. And there seemed to be this more palpable intensity amongst the fans, the students, the locals. Everybody seemed to be much more connected with the the scene. And I also think it might have to do with the roots going back to when A&T was a CIAA school. So mm-hmm. not only were A&T games both home and away, drawing A&T fans that we were traveling. It was also people that had those old CIAA connections when A&T was a CIAA team and, you know, you went to go see Norfolk State and A&T. You went to go see Virginia State and A&T or, you know, that sort of thing. Right. So you had in this this mid-Atlantic region not just, you know, uh, a raucous and passionate Aggie fan base, but people who are also at other CIAA schools or in other CIAA communities that came out to see the games, not just our games, but everybody's games. And over the years, as there's been this greater divide between the CIAA and the MEAC, particularly with some of the CIAA defections, you know, like Norfolk State, you know, that was a big thing, Norfolk State leaving the CIAA, it really kind of drove a wedge in terms of two fan, two fan bases, you know, Virginia State and Norfolk State, and people, mm-hmm. Norfolk State, I mean, Virginia State people kind of feeling like they're left holding an empty bag, you know. Um, mm. You know, that was a big game for them. You know, it yeah. might not have been all that competitive down the line, but people were showing out for that thing. 
Exactly. So I wonder if that that sort of thing, just the, the times and some of those broken connections might have something to do with it. Um, I also consider that I'm not sure we were doing ourselves a lot of favors in the uh, mid-'90s and early 2000s when you would look on our schedule and see two, three, maybe even sometimes four of those neutral field classics. Mm -hmm. You know, we're saying, well, this is how we make money, and then there's an article in the uh, Greensboro News and Record back in like the uh, mid-2004, 2005. I think at one point we were left holding the bag for $80,000 over at the Aggie Eagle Classic when it was at Carter-Finley. You know? Yeah. Because nobody really seemed to be considering, you know, okay, we're renting out this stadium. We're renting exactly. out their custodians. They were renting out their concessions, their security. How are we supposed to be making money off of this? Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, you had that. You had the Battle of the Border in, you know, the Panthers Stadium and then in that other little stadium they got in Charlotte. You know, we were losing two, sometimes three home games a year off of this. Yeah, And, you know, I actually wondered, I'm probably wrong, but, you know, did we alienate some of the fans doing that? Mm. You know, I mean, on the flip side of that, you say, well, look, they got all the parties. Yeah. And I even even have to consider, did our fan base get distracted by the parties, by the battle of the bands, by the step shows, and we lost focus on the game? Hmm. I mean, those are questions I ask. I don't have an Uh answer. I've gotten some pretty, I've gotten some pretty uh, irate responses from asking those questions. (laughs) I can't say that. (laughs) But but you know what, Trevin, you're on the mark with your questions. And the thing is, this like I've I've actually seen other other writers talk about these things. Um, One of my favorites, and my God, I wish I could remember who this writer was. But they were saying basically that we're, we're partying uh, the, the CIAA away, where basically yes. everyone just comes to Charlotte, parties. No one goes to the games. No one cares about the games. If your if your school isn't in the semis or in the finals, do they really don't come, care come Friday? And in the city of Charlotte is making money hand over fist. Oh God, don't forget about the tax that yeah. they tried to pull last year. Yeah, how hilarious was that? Leasing the conference. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. And and the, the 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 conference was in the red for the majority of the time that it was having uh, the tournament in Charlotte. It's finally starting to make a turnaround. I don't mm-hmm. think they've broken even yet, but they're, they're they're getting closer than what they were. And, and the deal that they took to to do the tournament in Charlotte, they were getting they getting shafted. And the whole thing of them attempting to pit other cities against the city of Charlotte to try to make them raise their bid, and it didn't work. It's it's mm. it's insane to me. It's, uh, I'm I'm just I'm baffled that you know that that this type of stuff goes on, and for whatever reason, the fan bases don't care. They don't care at all, mm-hmm. and, and the, mm-hmm. all all they can do is complain about the ticket prices. But yet you'll pay forty fifty bucks to go to the day party, to go to three day parties. Yeah. Not to mention how much those drinks cost. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you'll, <laughs> know, right? you'll do that, but you won't go to the game. But the reason why you're here 
it's because of the game. If the game didn't exist, the party wouldn't exist. You know, we right. can go ahead and keep partying ourselves away, and we're going to end up being like UDC in their homecoming. Mm-hmm. And if you know about their homecoming, yeah. that basically means that they don't have football. Right. So they don't have right. a football homecoming. They have homecoming for soccer. You know what I'm saying? Or we yeah. could be like, like, like uh, Morris Brown, who doesn't exist anymore, you know, and, and have their homecoming. Or we could be like Eastern Shore and have homecoming during a basketball game. We're close to that. We had a situation yeah. with South Carolina State where they had to decide whether or not they were going to be able to stay in the MEAC or move to D3. Film is yeah. just over the baseball. I don't know wow. if you guys saw it, but last February um, on on Real Sports, they had Chris Rock on there talking about minorities, mainly blacks. I did baseball. see that. Yeah. You I saw that? that? And he started talking about HBCUs and their roles in having African-Americans playing baseball. And he made a joke about Stillman being one of the oldest HBCUs out there, only having one black guy on the baseball team. Now that baseball wow. team no longer exists. Now it no longer wow. exists because they don't Damn. have the revenue. And you know the easiest way to, to, to get revenue is for people to come to games. See, this is not, now this is my direct right here, Scott. This okay, is, go ahead. This is why I'm so upset. It's because it's so easy to fix the problem, but we refuse to pick, fix the problem and we complain about it. We complain about it all the time. It's baffling to me. Now, you talk about, Kevin, you brought up some fantastic points. Maybe one of the reasons why that relationship is broken is because those rivalries are no longer there. Maybe that's the case. Because if you were to ask someone under the age of 40 <clears throat> who their school's rival is, if they had to think about it for a minute, it's a problem. It is, especially if you're talking about Norfolk and if you're talking about Howard and you're talking about um, – or if you're talking about A&T and they ask somebody, they don't immediately say uh, Central. That's a problem. But mm-hmm. if they can't rather right. like Central, Winston, and probably even Howard, then it's a problem. And, but, but there are kids who can't do that because they don't have that rivalry anymore. So they don't have that investment to come out and, and – and, and root against that team anymore, or even that 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 wantingness to have that family infrastructure that that's that's kind of built what's in the conference and coming out to see your own play against your own. You know, it's it's sad when I go out to to to, to cover Howard games and the game the stadium isn't packed. It's a ten thousand seat capacity stadium, and it's never full unless it's homecoming, and it clears out after homecoming. When their band is not performing, that horrible band, but when that band <laughs> is not performing, it clears <laughs> out. I'm sorry. I love doing that jab against that Showtime band because that's what I do. Especially living here with Maggie. Exactly. Aggie Pride. They they know it when I come in that stadium. So, <laughs> but, but it's, it's insane to me that, that this exists, that, you know, we'll go to all of these parties, we'll do everything, He's asking for like stuff like the step show, or like uh, a college fair to be in existence. It happens already with the IAA. Like people were bragging, this seventy-five thousand, almost a hundred thousand people partying outside the Georgia Dome, but there was only thirty-five thousand inside the stadium. 
What happens if half the people who were chilling outside were to go inside? How would that look to have 65,000 or 60,000 black people in there watching the Celebration Bowl? It would be great. And to have that game played on ABC, oh, my God, the, 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 the sponsors would line up. And, and then the fact of not having the halftime, that's the other thing, too. Not that was, was kind of weird. Yes. Mm. I, I, I'm hearing it's because they couldn't get clearance on the music that was being performed, which really? I completely understand. Because right, that's my yeah. guess on why they don't ever show the performances. But you know the easy fix to that? If you know that your team is competing for a championship, go ahead and get your sheet music ready. Go ahead and turn it in. Let your, let, let, let the, the Celebration Bowl know what your performance is potentially going to be so they can get that music cleared so then it can be performed and sold on TV and we can get more revenue that way. Easy fixes. Right. Easy fixes that nobody <laughs> wants to do or that nobody thinks of. I'm just saying, there's a huge brain trust. Man, Scott, there's a huge brain trust of fans that have, if not the answers, they have questions that can lead to answers that no one wants to talk to. That mm. You see them in chat rooms. You see them in, in forums. You see them in the Facebook groups. You see them on Twitter almost on a regular basis. But nobody asks them for the, the the questions, let alone the answers that would help these situations out. We lost the Pioneer Bowl. You know what I'm saying? We lost the Heritage yeah. Bowl 20 years ago, and now they're bringing it back under the, under the name of the, the Celebration Bowl. You know, it can happen, and it's happening. And, and, and the fact that, that everyone doesn't care and they're lack, lackadaisical about it, 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 it burns me up, as you can see, man. And it, it just gets me kind of excited. Bella, yo, I could do this show for another hour easily. <laughs> I, I, I just hope do the show. We could easily do the show for an hour, but we got like five minutes left. So I just uh, I'm gonna I'm 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 let Kevin have the rest of the five minutes because I'm hoping <laughs> okay. I'm not. I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> I'm not taking all the time. And 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 and, and in conversations that I've had with Kevin, I know that he knows his stuff as well. So I'm gonna let Kevin have his five minutes. Okay. Well, first in in this in this time that's left, uh, first of all, I want to thank you both because exactly what has no happened, is everything I hoped would happen, because I actually got on here and I learned a lot. So that's first and foremost. Um, second, mm-hmm. I'm going to leave with another question that may be taken up, and I think Dwayne has heard it from me kind of thrown out there on mm-hmm. the Double um, S Facebook page because I'm kind of a – sometimes I get this moment when I'm an agitator. So mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I'm going to round back to this part about all-inclusiveness. And okay. we're going to speak to the finances. I, I'm, I'm the, when when Scott said, how can black schools generate more revenue? And my initial outlook on that was kind of bleak in the current model of things. Mm-hmm. But I'm going, to, I'm going to go back to a conversation that my father's line brother from Virginia State and his basketball teammate <coughs> posed to me. Um, bless his um, soul, he's passed on a couple of years ago. He was a Virginia State, a Q from Virginia State, and he loved to agitate me about being an Aggie. And he would come at me with this question, why did A&T go Division One? Why does the MEAC exist? And I was only like 20 at the time, 
So uh-huh. I, I answer. Well, you know, we get a chance to go to the, the football and, and play in the NCAAs, or or you know, we got the basketball. We played Division One basketball in the tournament. Now, obviously, we're old enough to know that the revenue streams from both of those events, while it's nice to participate, may not be the most efficient model in this day and age where black schools, where the HBCUs, the SWAC and MEAC are concerned. Mm-hmm. Sure. So it made me wonder, why are we cashing, hemorrhaging some of these smaller schools in the MEAC and SWAC? Why are we hemorrhaging cash to play at the Division One level at football? Oh. We're, we're severed years back some of these traditional rivalries that we've talked about. Do our fans really care if we're playing Division One or Division Two? If A and T could play Winston Salem, if A and T could play Elizabeth City, if A and T could play, you know, John C. Smith, these schools on a regular, you know, like I said, to reconnect oh. with some of those communities, is it really important at this point what division we're playing on? That's a good question. That's a question that, I that just want to throw out there. That's a question. And I'm going to tell you this. The answer is probably no. The thing is, this is one of the things that I hear all the time. See, I'm sorry. God, President, why did you ask that good question? Oh, <laughs> my God. I got to get back in it. <laughs> I know. The thing is this. You know, you hear some people say that it's great to hear an HBCU win a national championship. You're right. It is great. But the thing is, it's so hard. It's right. very hard to hire up. Especially you know, now. Especially now. Now, if mm-hmm. you were to drop down to Division Two, we would probably, and that's the MIAC and the SWAT, we would probably compete more for, for national titles. <clears throat> As of right now, I don't if know that, what the if problem that's pertinent, is. yeah. Exactly. You know, we haven't won a national championship. Well, I shouldn't say we, but the HBCU hasn't won a national championship in uh, FCS football since 1978. The very first one. The very first one. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and and that that following team took Miami to the break and beat them, which basically turned the University of Miami football program around. Do your history. You'll learn that. You're mm-hmm. like insane. But people are, are, are hoping and begging to, to see us win a national championship or at least compete for one, and they're not gonna, it's not going to happen. Matter of fact, what makes it even worse now, being that the MEAC and the SWAC no longer have an automatic bid in the NCAAs for the FCS, we've now lost our at-bid vote. Right. So we can't even vote our own in if they if they can't make it in at, at large. We can't even vote them in. Like, did you did you see the lineup for the playoffs this year for the FCS? I forget, the big guy had like six teams. Somebody had a seven and four squad in there. Yeah, it must have been a, a good seven and four team. But well, I'll also say this: the SES across the board, uh, particularly with some of their former power conferences, they've suffered uh-huh. a lot of defections of some of their elite programs that have actually transitioned up to Division One. So, exactly. on, and that has to be accounted for where they're concerned, uh-huh. not just the absence of HBCUs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will have to mm-hmm. point that out, but yeah. No, I completely agree with you on that, too. But I'm like, okay, so what is it that we have to do if we want those schools that don't necessarily win the, the, the title to be considered as an at-large? 
That means we're gonna have to play better schedule. Have to and win those games. We can't. But well, we, we definitely have a really good offline discussion coming up on that one. I'm certain. Oh my yes. God, that'll be insane. Hey, speaking of which, I gotta wrap it up, fellas. Uh, <laughs> don't, be uh, <laughs> don't be mad at me. Don't be mad at me. Like I said, I could easily talk about this for another hour. Here we may get a part two going. Stay tuned for that. So, fellas, wow. man, I really enjoyed this. We need to we need to keep talking about this seriously, and we just need to continue to beat the drum because all what you all said, what we discussed tonight, needs to be heard, needs to be talked about, and so we just need to go ahead and do that. So. Thank you, thank you, thank you guys for joining me at such short notice. Uh, thank you for having me. Appreciate well, thanks it. for having me. All right, you, all right, man. Peace out. All right. Peace. Those are my boys right there. That's a hell of a discussion. Hell of a discussion on HBC Sports. Discussions that need to be heard, that need to be talked about, questions that need to be asked, questions that need to be answered concerning the future HBC Sports. Again, I could talk about this. These are another one, two, three hours even. <laughs> like some barbershop talk. But since uh, we don't have lives, we got to get up the next morning to go to work and whatnot. I have to wrap it up. So thank you again for joining me. This is Scott Burks in the Clown Hour. 06, y'all. Have a good night. Peace.